it's my lifestyle, it's my lifestyle. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the Grounds Crew, a podcast covering all things baseball. We're brought to you by Baseball Lifestyle. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Grounds Crew. I'm Josh Gerson, as always, along with my co-host. Hi, I'm Dennis. Bill's not here. Bill's not here, so it's Dennis. Let's get it going, guys. Uh, before we get started, as always, make sure you like and subscribe. We appreciate your support. Uh, this podcast has been rolling for a little bit now, and uh, we're excited to keep bringing you good content. Um, let's get into it. Uh, so last night, the Dodgers and Padres played for pretty much ever. I think by the time it was all said and done, I, I follow a couple of reporters and stuff on, on that are East Coast-based, and, and I was getting tweets and notifications from them at like 2.30 in the morning. Wild game, 16 innings, and, which is crazy. Like I think it's probably one of the only games this year that's gone that deep. Um, with the new rules in place and having the, the, the ghost runner and stuff like that. But they were just battling back and forth, big home runs, just a, just a wild game. Um, and obviously the, it has a, a lot of ramifications because it is Dodgers Padres. Um, did you happen to watch any of it? I didn't get a chance to watch it, but like you were saying with the ghost runner on second thing, it's just mind blowing that they went five innings and extra innings before anyone scored a run mm -hmm. and then they dueled two runs in the 15th inning it's yep. just i wish i could have stayed up for that game but mm -hmm. on top of it being west coast and we're east coast and also going 16 innings no shot yeah, i might yeah, have woken yeah. up by the time it started exactly exactly and i i stayed up for the met games a couple times not a couple times most of them actually when they were playing west coast but it, it's definitely hard being east coast and trying to trying to stay on top of those games but absolutely wild um the NL West in general, I think, is still pretty – I mean, like, I have a lot of faith in the Giants, to be honest with you. I think that a lot of people kind of still think that they're – that at some point they're just going to run out of juice. Um, I I honestly, just after watching them a lot with, with the amount of games the Mets have had to play against them, I have a lot of faith in them. I don't actually think that they're going to let the, the West slip away, even though the Dodgers are only two and a half back right now and have been playing really good baseball. They're 9-1 and one in their last 10. Like, just, they're killing it. Um, the Padres, on the other hand, I don't know if you saw this graphic recently. Like, their their percentage of, not, not percentage, like the odds of them making the postseason, like they have like odds graphs, and they're like matching the Mets right now in terms of their slide to the bottom of the food chain. Um, they're 15 back in the NL West. That's insane to even think about. Like they're they're two and eight in their last ten. I, I honestly I I hadn't opened the NL West standings and I don't know must have been like just a couple days, but the fact that they're 15 back is absolutely nuts. And then they're still they're right there in the in the wild card race and and I, like they could easily fall out of it. The Reds have been playing great baseball. Like I'm I'm definitely interested to see like the end of this season is going to be crazy in the AL and the NL. Um, I think the Yankees have a shot at winning the division too, but more more on that in a, in a little bit. Um, while we're on the subject of West Coast teams, the Angels conceded a win to the Orioles. They let it happen. After 19 games, the Orioles won. And this is exactly why Bill's not here today, is because Shohei was the reason they lost for the most part yeah he he did not pitch well um he gave up two home runs early just not one of his better performances and in in the second half he's been killing it. we talked about it on the last episode um he's been locked in on the bump and 
you know, listen, he, he's not going to be perfect. I think most people have said to this point that Otani has been a better hitter than a pitcher. And I, and I get that. And it's even, it's crazy to say that because I think a lot of people would say that hitting in the big leagues is probably harder of the two. Um, and he's just been absolutely dominant for the most part, just mashing home runs. But second half, he's been pitching like a stud. Uh, he had like a, a, a sub two ERA in the second half. I think it was sub one, actually. I think it was like a point nine or something after his first three or four starts. Um, but his ERA, I think, is over three now for the year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, let me just check on that right now. Yeah, it looks like it is. And I, I think it's just kind of like he's going to have little bumps in the roads and stuff. It's not going to be perfect. But overall, and, I, and I'm seeing more and more people now, and we've talked about it since the beginning, is this the best season ever? And more and more people are starting to just be like, all right, yes, this is this is legit. And I, it's, it's nothing more you can really say. He's just going to, like, listen, he's going to have his ups and downs. He's going to have his bumps. But it, the overall body of work is second to none. Yeah, and I was listening to um, Ortiz's podcast. He had Fernando Tatis on. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about Otani. And even you have one of the best hitters of all time and the current face of baseball talking about Otani having the best season that anyone's ever done. And if he can keep it going, it's just unreal to watch. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have the respect of David Ortiz, who I think everyone looks at, at least at our generation, as one of the best players that we got to watch. Mm-hmm. And Tatis is on pace to doing that, talking about Otani being the craziest thing they've ever seen. Yep. That says a lot that the guys in the locker rooms are also saying it. Yep, absolutely. And I think for the majority of the league, <clears throat> we've talked about it on previous podcasts, like they want to play the Angels just so that they can see what what it really means to be like the greatest player in the world or i i guess a lot of people would be like no my trout's the greatest and whatever but and and even so like i put out a, a tiktok recently saying like hey like shohei otani's a lock for mvp and a lot of people were like what about vlad what about this person and it's like Guys, I, I, I don't understand how it's still hard to – I mean, I guess I, I do understand why it's hard to fathom. No one has ever done this. So no one truly understands the fact that Shohei Otani is also having a phenomenal year on the bump. If you told me that your number one, number two starter had a three ERA for the year, that's a solid pitcher. Like, that's somebody who's going to get paid good money. Like, Stroman right now I think has a 285, and he's going to get paid big money next year. Not like, not like Jacob DeGrom, Garrett Cole money, but he's going to get a, a nice deal. And that's going to be like one of your, your locks in the rotation. That guy's a stud. But on the flip side, he's also batting 280 with 40 home runs and leading the league and just absolutely mashing. It's hard for people to truly understand. Like, this is not something that you'll see again. Like, probably ever. I mean, maybe, maybe the fact that, like we've talked about it, it maybe the fact that it's actually happened now it's going to offer kids the true like opportunity, the dream to say, okay, if I like do these things and I'm actually athletic enough, I can make it happen. We've seen tons of position guys come in and throw low nineties. Like why can't they be a reliever? Why can't they be a starter? You know what I mean? Absolutely. And then one thing I want to bring up to you, because I find this interesting going to the MVP argument is, is there a shot? We have two MVPs, one in the AL, one in the NL on teams that don't make the playoffs. Because you have Otani's not making the playoffs, and yeah. the Padres, if you're saying that they're falling behind, is that bad? There's a there's yeah. a shot. No, you're absolutely right, and 
it wouldn't be the I don't think it would be the first time in in recent memory. I mean, obviously Mike Trout's won the MVP a few times and they don't make the playoffs. Um, but yeah, and you could also definitely I know a lot of more people are making a case for Harper to be MVP. I'm still not really sold on it because I think his first half was just too average to to kind of really solidify that for me that he was better than Tatis because I still I, I have Tatis as a lock for NL MVP it would have it was DeGrom for me until he got hurt because I think you could you could say whatever you want about what Tatis did in the in the first half of the season what DeGrom was doing was the greatest pitching season of all time he was going to have like a 1-1 ERA for the year he was going to have like 200 plus K's he was probably going to have almost 300 K's like, and somehow a losing record. And somehow a losing record, as always. But you know, listen, I think I think it's so funny too. The Mets consistently their offense is so average, and the only reason that they were so good in the first half is because their pitching carried them. Every their their top three arms had sub three ERAs, absolutely dicing, and their bats were meh, and they just were getting the job done. They would put up three runs, and that was enough. Now they put up three runs. It's not enough. Your pitching's given up five, six runs a game. We had Tyler McGill, who's been a stud for the Mets coming up from double A, killing it, gave up eight runs against the Giants in the first like three innings of the game. And guess what? We didn't score a run to even help him. So listen, like whatever like say whatever you want about if if pitching is no good, the offense has to pick him up. And the offense has done absolutely jack over the last 15 games but we, we talk about the Mets way too much in this podcast I will get I will talk about the Mets in a few minutes <laughs> the what we I feel like isn't being talked enough and it's it's partly because of COVID uh and it's unfortunate and, and I and I love this time of year because I love watching it the Little League World Series I've been to Little League World Series three times and when I say it's one of the best atmospheres in like uh, of the things you can do in baseball I mean that there are you're talking about like 20,000 people at just a little league baseball game and you get to post up on the hill with your chairs and watch the game and and just kind of be around all these people it's a great atmosphere it's in the middle of nowhere so it's it's kind of like the the field of dreams concept of you everyone has to come from all over the world to this little town in the middle of the mountains to watch baseball and it's absolutely electric and I it, it really it breaks my heart that there's not that, that there's no international teams, there's no fans. It t- it's really kind of like taking the luster out of it. Cause, and I, I haven't watched the game, and normally that's something I kind of just – you throw it on because it's fun to watch. But there is a kid there who's been absolutely killing it. Um, have you? Do you normally watch the game at all? I don't typically watch it. I do appreciate the fact that I feel like that's one of the times where you get to see true love of the game mm-hmm. because these kids aren't playing for scholarships and not playing for uh, – contracts in the big leagues all that stuff they're just out there having fun mm-hmm. and enjoying the summer with probably their closest friends because mm-hmm. you know what the environment is on a baseball team is right. you're a brotherhood for life after. yeah and it's all your buddies from your hometown like you guys are from whatever's town iowa you guys won you made it all the way here and you, your whole the whole family comes out and yet you're right it's definitely very different than like for example, uh, like the perfect game stuff where you get the, the kids who are, you know, the, the highly touted players and they're doing this and they're going to play, you know, at whatever schools or get drafted and stuff like that. It's much more um, the, the grassroots, just like love of the game. Um, and you got this kid from South Dakota, Gavin Weir, abs- like, like just doing craziness. He's got he was part of a combined no hitter for one of the, I think it was the eighth. They don't allow the kids to pitch full games, right? 
No, I think that there is a pitch count or an innings count, something like that. But he's been absolutely dicing. Um, I'm going to pull up his stat line here because it's been it's been crazy. He has – he struck out – oh, my God, what a stat. So he's faced 132 batters in the League World Series so far. Uh, oh, actually, I'll take that back. It's going back to the regional stage. So this is his fourth game. Wait, what? The no-hitter was Weir's fourth of the tournament dating oh. back to the regional stage. Excuse me. He has struck out 114 guys out of 132 batters. What? <laughs> yep. Yep. I, I, I actually hadn't pulled up this stat line all the way. I've just been kind of – I had it I had it. You were admiring from afar. I was admiring from afar, and now I'm completely – dumbfounded it's so just crazy so future first overall pick is what we're saying right he you know what too and this this is this is awesome he kind of he pitches like uh with like uh like chris sale they have very similar motion so i'd be i hope he i hope his arm stays healthy because that's a that's a difficult angle to come from but he's a stud there was another kid too i forget what team he was on but he had he had a, a big home run and one of the sweetest swings i've ever seen at the Lily world series because you know there's always like those one or two kids who you can tell like they've got it got it mm -hmm. absolutely mash i think he was a lefty and lefty swings are gorgeous but like he i saw it and i was like that kid's gonna be a stud one day i i'm gonna i'm gonna look back and they're gonna they're gonna say oh yeah he was at the the 2021 little league world series and now he's cody bellinger part two you know stuff like that um i love watching because you always see the kids who are like wow these kids really got it and and, and the thing with, with the league world series too and i think it's the the mainstay of how all these teams get there is their fundamentals are perfect mm -hmm. that's the only way like you could you can have like an okay team like offensively but they all are fundamentally very sound in the field all the coaches are always very like positive and kind of just reinforcing to them like all the the important things that kind of keep baseball to keep, keep the team moving and and, and uh, allow them to to keep the right vibes to win um and that's why i just i just love all the stuff that they have there it's, it's it's so it's just fun to watch it's good baseball yeah, and like going back to the fundamentals part, I'm sure you can relate to it too. Nothing was worse than on uh, travel baseball games when you're younger. Mm -hmm. 100 degrees outside, you have a double header, and everyone's just making errors in the fields because the game just goes forever. Yep. And you were a pitcher, so you probably hated it even more. Oh, yeah. No, I, I definitely had some, uh, what did they call it, like high-stress pitching because your team like doesn't back you up behind you. Mm -hmm. uh, at and that definitely makes it harder. But listen, that's that's why all these guys get here is because that their defense is all good enough to help them. They make all like the routine plays, and that's that's why that's that's why guys get to the big leagues, right? It's they have their fundamentals perfect. They make all the plays that they should make, and then it's like, okay, how good are you to make the great plays? And that's how even at this level, guys make it all the way to win the whole thing. Um, and and you always see it too, especially in the international teams, like though like. The, Japan's always a prime example. Their fundamentals and the way their team is like built and their their culture within all, all the teams that they that make it out here are always like sound. So it's always good to watch and, and I hope it's all returned to normal next year. I'd like to get out there next year actually. I haven't been, so I feel like Maybe we'll make it fun. we'll make it a team trip because it's it's a great like we usually just go for like the first weekend because it's it's a you know, it's a it's a long thing. Um, but the first weekend's always so much fun. Um just it's just a good time but we'll we'll talk about that next year i hope it all works out um and <laughs> fuck i forgot to even bring this up 
it, it's good now that there's there's no no fans because the kids are able to kind of go probably like go sit on the hill and do different things and do stuff that they're normally not able to go to because they get like swarmed by fans and stuff because even at 12 years old all the fans and people want to get these kids signatures and oh you're from this place like i take a picture with you like they're little celebrities at this mm -hmm. thing um and so these kids were on um i guess on the hill or something just hanging out with their boys and the cameras are kind of out and about and somebody sniped them looking at tiktok and uh if anybody's everybody anybody's been on TikTok who listens to this podcast, there's some interesting videos on there, and these kids found some uh, some pretty lady doing a dance or something, and they were like, "Whoa, look at this!" Like just these little twelve year old kids, just kind of. It was at that moment little Jimmy became a man. Yes, exactly. I'll I'll put the photo up on here somewhere, <laughs> uh, but it was hilarious. And these kids are just like dumbfounded, and it was all over the place. I think Barcel found it first or something like that because. I think it was on the ESPN like feed, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so I think it was ESPN showed a replay of something, and then they have the kids in the stands because, like you said, there's no fans really. Mm -hmm. And they're just doing their voiceover, and one of the stoolies, I guess, caught it on film, this kid showing the TikTok and the kids reacting to it and everything like that, and then it just blew mm -hmm. up from there on the internet. Uh, so just so pure. So pure. It's so That's that's amazing. Um did you watch any of the uh, the Little League Classic? No, no. I want to get to that too. That that was that was a really cool thing that they started a couple years ago. Um, well, our my first year that we ever went to the Little League World Series, we went to the stadium that they play that at because it's actually uh, a minor league team for the Phillies, I believe. I don't know if it still is, but when when we were there, it was. Um, and it was just like a, this little kind of like rundown minor league stadium, and they really like. They, they refurbished it and made it like major league caliber like for the most of the infrastructures that they could play a game there um and it's really cool like they kind of they get the the kids and all the families to come watch the game it's super like it's just just the the teams and the the mlb guys get to interact with them they go down they watch their games they get to meet all the players they met our guy tristan mckenzie was running the show for mlb's like uh all their social medias he was all over the place shout out to him uh he's been killing it on the mound um and it's just it's it just adds to the atmosphere. I think it, I'm so glad that they did like they started doing that because it, it it adds to how these kids feel of like when they when they come they come to Lily World Series they're like yo like we're we're the big deal now we're we came from wherever we came from and now we're on the big stage and it just adds even more to that element and they get to talk to the big league guys and just feel like this is a once in a lifetime thing. I think also like over a 162 game season, like you need something to break up the monotony of it, mm -hmm. and having those kinds of games where it's just like having a, a gimmick to it or a special location, like I think the league needs to look into doing that more often. Absolutely, we've seen in the NHL like those are some of the higher rated games or the mm -hmm. outdoor games. They, they did one guy deets. Yeah, <laughs> fun fact: Rangers general manager won the Little League World Series. So, really? Mm -hmm. That's cool. But it it's just something that you don't get to see every day and mm -hmm. it's you watch the yankees play in yankee stadium what 81 games a year mm -hmm. cut that down to 75 and just have a little just more play fun in with different it. places i totally agree with you i love when they when they went to uh when they kicked off the season i think it was two years ago mm -hmm. in england um I, the, obviously the field of dreams game crushed um I know they're talking. They're talking. They've uh, they've done one at the College World Series. They did the Lily World Series. So I do agree with you. I I like the concept of kind of just playing in abstract places. Um, 
I'd even go as far to say like, hey, like why don't like they were able to build a stadium in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. at the Field of Dreams. Why not do that in even more abstract places? Like, hey, like, let's go to somewhere in the middle of I don't know places that don't have places that don't have big league teams. Like, let's say Utah. Like uh, Utah's beautiful place. Like, call let's stick a, stick a field out there, make a major league game, call it whatever you want to call it, and then stick a minor league team there or let or let's make it like a community thing like kind of stuff like that and there's so many cool places maybe maybe you use it even more so to bring um to keep expanding baseball throughout the world obviously baseball is big in asia maybe we i know that's tough for them to do that but i know they talked about going back to like the tokyo dome and Mm -hmm. doing stuff there maybe they go to china stuff like that and just kind of make make it more of because obviously like with little world series too like it's very international but maybe they use this as a way to keep expanding the game worldwide or even like you look at the nfl they do two games in london every year they had a few years ago they scheduled a game in mexico city i don't know if it wound up happening yeah the field was like on uh not like nfl caliber so they had to scrap it but yeah i get what you're saying like why not do that for baseball like you saw last year the baseball brit on twitter like the dude wants the game to be bigger in Mm -hmm. london why not expand into those areas i'm sure it's easy for them to do you know what's it and like I think a lot of people think, oh, it's in London. Like, there's no way you would have a team there, right? right? London's flight is basically the same as if you were going to the West Coast. It's about a six-hour flight, give mm-hmm. or take, from, like, the East Coast. So if that's something where it's like, hey, they're part of the the East, and then that one time a year whatever team plays there is going to the yeah, West Yan- Coast, Yankees, it is Red it is. Yankees, Red Sox, and London. Like, that would be perfect. Do it once a year. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not too big of a deal. So I, I would definitely love to see that. I know – once the Field of Dreams game happened, everyone was like, all right, we need a Sandlot game. We need, like, you know what I mean? So, obviously, the Sandlot would be a little bit harder because I believe that field was literally in, like, the middle of a neighborhood in mm-hmm. California, I think. So, that would be a little bit harder, but... So, something tells me Otani, Vlad, all those guys, the balls would be breaking windows if they tried oh, to do course, that. Oh, of course, yeah. But, like, they... Th- <sighs> They kind of hit that with, uh, like, bringing those guys down to the Dodgers game because at the end of the day, like, it was, like, Dodgers-centric because Benny the Jet, like, played for the Dodgers and in whenever he was uh, – when he got older. So I don't know if they would ever really do that. I think Field of Dreams was the easiest way to make that happen, and I loved it. I think they should do it again. Um, maybe we'll be there next year, but definitely love the concept. Love the concept. Um, oh, other big news this week. Other big news. Yadi Molina signed a one-year extension, and next year will be his last year. He'll get a nice little farewell tour, I'm sure. I, I'm sure a lot, like every team he'll, he goes to, will give him some kind of gift or something, like uh, like they did with Poppy and Mo, and I I think that's going to be great. Um, I think the entire game will miss him. I also think that he will be a manager at some point. Yeah, I, I remember somebody's. I think it was the end of last year or, or before last year was starting that they were like semi joking about having Yachty be a player manager. Um, I think I, I very much foresee him being a manager at some point. Catchers seem to translate best to oh, the absolutely. their leadership role. qualities. So on top of like, let me ask you this too then. Is he on your Mount Rushmore of Cardinals players? Because you've seen a lot of great players for the Cardinals, but I feel like Yachty has been overlooked in some ways, and now that he's reaching the twilight of his career, it's kind of like 
people are remembering like oh yeah this dude's a stud we should really be appreciating him and he's going to get his farewell tour which oh, yeah, I absolutely. think he deserves. I I would definitely put him up there. I think he'll be in their in their ring of honor and stuff like that him and Pujols probably um well, not probably. Pujols definitely will be in their ring of honor. Uh I think those are two of their their great guys. I'd say Wainwright will probably also be one of those dudes. Um, but yeah, Yachty's been there forever. He's had an amazing career. He's probably one of, if not the greatest catcher of all time. Um, you could definitely make a case for that, at least defensively. Um, and listen, in earlier in his career, he also had a pretty good bat, but yeah, defensively, I per- just from my time watching baseball, like I didn't get to see some of the older players play. I didn't see Thurman Munson play, but I know from watching Yachty that if, if you ask me, Hey, like. I want to become a catcher. Who should I emulate to be the greatest defensive catcher of all time? Mm-hmm. You're going to watch Yadi Molina. I mean, just that family as a whole, you had three players, like three brothers, all mm-hmm. be major league catchers yep. of varying qualities. But sure. like Benji Molina was a stud in his time. Yadi was good. I mean, good for the parents, man. They did something 100%. right. They, 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 the genes lined up appropriately. But yeah, Yadi was, Yadi is. I mean, we had a conversation about this earlier in the year. There are a lot of people that would still say he's a top five catcher in the game even at this stage in his career, and I totally support that. I mean, you see him still making unbelievable plays. He still has the leadership qualities. He's still the, the general on the field at all times. Um, he's just a legend, and, and he's got one year left, and I'm excited to see his farewell tour, and uh, I hope he gets the gold glove this year. Just to add to his wall of gold gloves, like, just a, just a legend. So Hall of Famer? 100%. First ballot. If he's not first ballot, there's – there's problems. I actually so this would this would be good if Pujols retires after next year, and then they get on the same ballot. That, that would, would be, cool. be awesome. To that watch. would be awesome. that would be sick. That would be awesome. I hope that happens. Why stop there? Wayne Wright too. Let's Wayne Wright too. I I don't know if Wayne. I'm gonna pull Wayne Wright stats up because I don't think he'd be a Hall of Famer to be honest with you. I meant more just like having those just having three the farewell retires, tour. Absolutely. Yeah. Even. So here's the thing too, and this this is this is my perfect world for the Cardinals, because listen, they always have a pretty solid team. Um, this year, not quite as much, but they always have at least a good core. Um, if next year, and this is unfortunately, I don't think it would happen just because of I'd imagine Pujols' family's in L.A. now and they're just more settled there. But if we get the universal DH, we get Pujols heads back over to the Cardinals one more year, and then they all do a farewell tour together. That would be. And they win the World Series. Not sure that will happen uh, because the Mets are going to put all their things together next year and not be this horrible. There's always next year. There's always next year for New York sports, baby. Unfortunately, as a Mets and Jets fan, I am fully aware of the always next year saying. Um, At least least the Yankees have a shot, right? The Yankees always have a shot. And listen, I am am not a Yankees fan by any means. But you are a Luke Voigt fan. But I am a Luke Voigt fan. And if Luke Voigt is winning, I'm winning. And that's enough for me because I can tell you what I've watched in if, however many games over the last 20 games, I would say I've watched 10 complete games because by about halfway through the game, I turn the game off because it is just painful to watch. Um, but good news in quotes for the Mets is Jacob deGrom started throwing again yesterday. He got a clean MRI. Um, unfortunately, it feels like it's going to be too little too late. It's going to be too little too late and because at the end of the day DeGrom's not even available he's on the 60 day IL right now he can't even come back until September 13th I believe which is coming up sure but what at what stage are the Mets in at that point are they 
15 back in the division, and it's just like, all right, how don't far even back? pick up baseball, you're done. How far back are they right now? Uh, They are. The Mets are seven back right now. Oh, uh, yeah, they're done. Just, just they're stick done. a fork in them. Yeah. They're done. So, but now here's the thing. Here's the thing. If if the Mets miraculously, so we have one more game left against the Giants, and I I tweeted this the the schedule for the, the previous fifteen games the Mets played were all against the Dodgers and Giants, and I tweeted I was, I was like, hey, if we survive this, we have a shot. We have not survived. We have been absolutely slaughtered. They've won two of their last eight. I think I said that earlier in this program. It's been horrible, and. I would say 95% of Mets fans have already punted the season. It's just too far out. Yeah, However, well, the what do you got? What do you got? I was going to say, why bother bringing Syndergaard? Why bother bringing DeGrom back if you're this far out? Because exactly. you just lost to two teams you'd have to go through in order to win the World Series. And yep. at the end of the day, like, cool, you made the playoffs. But if you don't win the World Series, it's still a waste of a season in a lot of ways because that team – was supposed to be a World Series team. 100%. And this is my this is my cautionary tale for the Mets if they're listening. They have an easy a quote-unquote easy next few games. They play the Nationals and Marlins. I think it's 12 games in a row or something like that. So after the slaughter that we just had to go through. Whoever made the schedule by the way is an evil person. They literally they have to be like a Phillies or Braves fan. And they looked at the schedule. We're like, "Hey, we're gonna give the Mets the hardest August possible." In all fairness, then, I don't think anyone expected the Giants to be the best team in baseball. Sure, that's that's fair, but it worked out that way, unfortunately. But they play a ton of games against the Nationals and Marlins coming up. Okay, if by some miracle the Mets win all of the games, because in reality, for them to even get back in contention. For the division, they have to win at least. Let's say I'm not 100 percent sure how many games it is. I think it's 12. Let's say they won 10 of 12. That still probably only puts them like, if they're lucky, like within three games. The last games they play against the season of the season are against the Braves. Jacob Degrom comes back September 13th. He's off the DL or IL. But here's the thing too: is he he's only just like he threw from like 40 feet. Like it's not like he was throwing a bullpen. There's still so much more to do for him to actually be ready to pitch that if he's not ready by September 13th, it's it's not even worth it for me for him to come back. It's not. And the problem is, too, is like, hey, like, there is a question mark still. Like, as, as much as we want to say, like, oh, he's good, the MRI is great. What if he comes back and blows out his elbow? Then he's done next year. Mm-hmm. But there's two sides to that coin. If he, if he blows out his elbow this year, then the Mets can go into this offseason being like, all right, cool, we lost our number one. We need to get even more starting pitching. Whereas he could not blow his elbow out. We can, the Mets can lose this season, do whatever. They go into next year, and then they're like, all right, cool, we got Jacob DeGrom for a full season. He goes into spring training, pulls a no send guard down for the season. Yeah, I, I mean, it could so, be a glass now situation too where he's doing all this rehab, and then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, no, it's not getting better. We have to shut it down, and then you're just prolonging the inevitable. Exactly, exactly. So I don't – I don't know what is the lesser of two evils. If he just says, screw it, give me TJ, or waits, gets into next season, the Mets kind of plan accordingly that they're going to have an ace, maybe not get as much starting pitching, 
because they definitely are going to need to pick somebody up or pay people or do something. And then all of a sudden, the Mets are back to square one because I would like the Mets in, to go into this offseason. Because, listen, I know a lot of Mets fans have sat there and been like, we got Steve Cohen this year. We're going to the, We're going to win it all. No, we are not, guys. No, we're not. I came into the season like, great, we have fresh ownership. We have a pretty talented team. We got a big-name shortstop. We didn't know that he was going to be as average as he's been, but we went into this with like, hey, we have some confidence, and everyone has underperformed. But we've, I would say a lot of the guys have learned a lot. I would say Steve's learned a lot. He knows exactly what – I hope he knows what he needs to actually get in terms of talent and who needs to be replaced and cut and whatever. Um, and that's why I was not banking on this first year being the year as much as we thought we had a talented team. But next year, there needs to be some changes made. And there actually needs to be strides forward. How much money do they have to throw at Max Scherzer to get him in the offseason? Um... I don't think they get Max Scherzer. Do you think it's a Scherzer not wanting to be there thing? Or do, yes. you, do you think it's uh, the contract is going back to Washington? Uh, I don't know if he goes back to Washington either. I actually think it could be very easy for him to stay with the Dodgers. Well, the um, Dodgers are going to open up plenty of cap space next year. So. Sure, yeah, 100%. Which is why I don't think he goes back to the Nationals, because I think the Nationals are going to still be in a rebuilding stage for two or three years. Um Unless miraculously they do something, but I, I don't I don't think they're gonna really get back to like their World Series caliber for a little bit. Um, here's what I want. I, I there's there's a lot of starting pitching questions. I'm not 100 percent sure who I want there. I would say try and re-sign Syndergaard. Maybe make him a starter next year. I know he's coming back as a bullpen guy. He's got a rehab start tonight, maybe or tomorrow. Um, I think the Mets need to dip with Conforto. See ya. You're done. Um, I would like them to throw a, a heaping pile of money at Nick Castellanos, like a really tall pile of money. And that way, every single time something bad happens to the Mets, he hits a home run. There's a home run. There's a, there's a deep drive to left field, Nick Castellanos. Uh, unfortunately, I would never want to hear Garrett Cohen say those words because that would just <laughs> that that would just break my heart if <laughs> if he ever did something wrong. But um, I would like to see Nick Castellanos get a bunch of money from Steve Cohen. I would like to see Chris Bryant get a bunch of money from Steve Cohen and play third base for the Mets. Um, who's one other guy? Well, what are you doing with Javi? Are you re-signing Javi? Uh, Javi Baez. Javi Baez. Two sides to that coin, too. And as much as anybody wants to say, like, oh, he's playing bad, you knew what you were getting. A guy that has a high upside but strikes out a lot and kind of has a crappy approach but a great glove like a legendary glove like you could say the Mets up the middle right now have one of the best one-two punches defensively the other thing too with having a guy like that there depending on the cost obviously it'd be great to bring back Baez I feel at the right price what, what are your thoughts on that the right price yes I <clears throat> I could see a world where we bring him back specifically because I think when he's not striking out a million times he's more talented than McNeil on both sides defense and his upside as a hitter but I also just the lineup that I would like to the Mets to have I'd rather have after really thinking about it I'd rather have McNeil bat 320 
then Javi bat 230 with 150 Ks at second base. Right, but McNeil's not doing that. Right. Somebody must have told that guy in the offseason, yo, you can hit bombs. No, no, you can't. I know you I know you can stop. Just do me a favor and hit a million singles to the left center field gap and just keep going the other way. Because that's when he was locked in, when he was staying on the baseball and working the other way. That's when that's when he hit fucking nukes, excuse my language. And now he's not. Mm. Now like you literally can see it. Like even on a two strike pitch, like he's just pulling off everything and he's striking out a million times and batting like 220 right now so i don't know what they'll do i if anything if we do bring back javi i would like somebody to work with him on his approach and but i I, you get the concept of having two great gloves up the middle i understand the upside there um but we'll see the mets offseason should be interesting um you know also i just realized i was just looking at the the wild card stats i know we were just talking about the cardinals briefly before they're only three and a half back out of that second wild card spot. Mm-hmm. That second wild card spot is going to be very interesting because right now Cincinnati's holding on to it, which I did predict actually. I, I I had a feeling that they would at least play pretty well. Um, unfortunately, Milwaukee's just super far ahead of them in the division, but I I think Cincinnati has some of the right stuff to be available, and right now they have that second wild card spot. Just just one game uh b- the behind them is the Padres. So again. Who knows with them, but St. Louis is only three and a half back. If they went on a little bit of a run, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually played the, the Padres at some point towards the end of the year. I'm not sure, but that's, that's interesting. That That's interesting. And they, they always, if they ever get to the playoffs, they always at least play pretty solid because they have some really talented guys. I, I don't think they have what it would take to really make a run in the postseason If they got there, I think honestly, whoever gets to the wild cards probably going to get smoked by the Dodgers anyway. I think that's almost a guarantee. Um, but that's interesting. I just we'll see. We'll see what they what they do moving forward. Yeah, they got guys in that locker room too that can kind of like coach them up. Exactly, the they got the vets. Too. Yep. So it, it it definitely will be interesting to see where they go there. Um, but yeah, a lot lot going on over the next. I mean. I honestly, I love that the we're kind of starting to come down to the wire a little bit because there are so many different little playoff scenarios that could happen that could completely alter how it all goes down. Like the Yankees, if the Yankees stay hot and the Rays cool off, all of a sudden the Yankees are winning that division and the Rays are in the wild card, and you know what I mean. So, and the Mets, God willing, will make go on some crazy run and have a shot at winning the division, and all of a sudden that's different. So, I don't know. We'll definitely see. We'll definitely see. Otani, obviously, I, I'm going to stand by that he's a lock for MVP. I don't care what anybody says. You can you can come see me if you think that Vlad's doing – I mean, listen, Vlad's having an amazing year. There was a point where he was going to have a run for Triple Crown. I don't see that happening, but I do think Otani is the MVP. And you heard it here first on the grounds crew. Guys, thanks for listening. Dennis, thank you for being a guest host today. No Appreciate problem. Appreciate you. Producer Dietz, as always, is the, is the legend behind the scenes. Um – Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for watching. Make sure you like and subscribe, and we will see you on the next episode. See you later. Baseball lifestyle. It's my lifestyle.